everybody, and welcome to the Chiluminati Podcast, episode 107. As always, I am one of your hosts, Mike Martin, joined by my two wonderful LA brothers, Alex and Jesse. Honk, <laughs> honk. <laughs> um, <Awuga>. but... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, however, we're also joined by a special guest. Hello, Whoa. Mike. Rep- I'm going to say I'm going to try and say your name right. Raparez. That's what how I want to say. Raparez is it. fine. Yeah, it's fantastic. Te- technically, it's Raparez, but even <clears throat> I have trouble saying that. So Spanish is fine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I can do the tongue roll, but not you that. You tried. Not you that like cool. put in a solid effort there. That's impressive. Yeah, yeah. try. Come on, he's a guest on the podcast. I got to give at least minimum percentage effort. <laughs> appreciate <laughs> it. I appreciate it. Uh, even when Crendor was here, I tried a little, a little bit. I, I had to. Yeah. Um, so Mike, what's up? Welcome to the podcast, man. Well, I'm well, visiting but. you guys from uh, Video Game Apocalypse, which is my regular show on the Laser Time Network, lasertimepodcast.com. So uh, that's my plug out of the way. Every Friday we talk about video games, but um, anyway, I'm I'm delighted to be here. This seems like a really cool show. A very oh. chill. Oh, you've made a mistake. Show. I'm so so sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who conned you into this? Do you owe us anything? Is there like? Alex. <laughs> What do you have laps. over him? It'll be <laughs> fun. <laughs> While he leaves traumatized, wondering what he even got into. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. The, 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 the question that we always ask guests at the at the top, uh, because, you know, there's sort of like a there's sort of like a stigma around talking about this stuff sometimes with people outside of your social circle. So before we get into this, what is your we're all very well established amongst our audience of like what level of belief we have. But what is your experience with the paranormal? What are your thoughts on the paranormal? I'm interested to know. Uh, I don't I don't have a lot of direct experience with the paranormal, you know, some some. Fairly pedestrian stuff, sleep paralysis, hallucinations, things like that. Um, one time when I was five, I was convinced I saw a six foot tall uh, grasshopper walking erect on the the lawn of a family friend during a dinner party. But nobody else saw it. So I'm pretty sure that was just in my imagination. Um, well, you know, there are insectoid aliens around that size that supposedly exist. So maybe I'm just saying. I want you to know that I often walk erect on the lawn at my family dinner parties as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> not around I want 5 you to know I don't believe either suburbs. of those things. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, I do have, there, there are some family stories that have been passed down to me. Uh, the one that I always think of was, um, so my great grandmother, when my, uh, my, my great aunt is the oldest of several sisters. And when she was just a little girl and an only child at the time, she got very sick with some sort of bad cough, flu, something like that. And my great grandmother swears that she woke up to hear her coughing and saw a figure standing over the foot of the bed, just like a, like a, somebody draped in a black sheet, just standing there. And so she kicked out at it and it just glided soundlessly into the wall and, and disappeared. And the wall that it hit was the room adjoining uh, my my great aunt's was adjoining my great aunt's room. And uh, so she started crying and my great grandmother runs in there and, you know, she's sitting up awake and saying, Mommy, why did you come in here and scare me wearing that that black robe? Oh, my God. uh, (laughs) God. First of all, I love that that story has or be violent toward whatever that was. I mean, it's the first story I've heard where they were like, fuck this ghost. This This is the most relatable ghost story I've ever heard. (laughs) I've often said, look, I don't believe, but like, 
I want to know why people don't fight ghosts more often. And this, I get. This, I believe. I finally <laughs> believe one. This is yeah. it. <laughs> they were right for the cake. Like, I was like, oh, hell no, ghost. Get away from my baby. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, grew up, I grew up thinking about that and then like heard from my uncle like, no, 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 no. The ghost was coming out of her room. And I'm like, oh, well, okay, no, it changes everything. What are you talking about? Never mind. It's fake again. (laughs) (laughs) We almost we almost had you, Jesse. We almost had you. So are you a Mulder Mulder or a Scully? Uh, I'm more of a Scully than a Mulder. I think I want to believe, but I, I haven't seen any evidence that makes me believe. I'm rationally minded, man. I like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, but, but you know, when I'm lying awake at 4 a.m. in a strange house, of course I believe in ghosts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> and when I'm lying awake at 4 a.m., I like to be thinking about patreon.com oh slash Illuminati pod, where we are inching <laughs> oh ever God. closer to our goal done. of $10,000, in which Jesse not only will believe in ghosts, but we will force him by doing some sort of crazy television style lockdown is what it's building up to be at this point. There's I'm, somebody out, out there right now on Twitter looking for YouTube personalities, Twitch personalities. They want to, to do like record. an AMC show. I want to let AMC know we are not the three. I'm going to let them know right now. <laughs> <laughs> we are not the three. Yeah, it'll be, it'll it be one be of those uh, forgotten pilots that's like on YouTube. That's like one of the greatest things ever that never got made because those three guys were geniuses. You know, you know what I mean? Uh, but yeah, please go go to our Patreon. Please support us. And today, that's not only the Patreon I'm supporting. I'm also talking about an amazing thing that's happening in Los Angeles the last week of October. Jesse, take it away. Oh, wait. No, I'm talking about it. You mean? You, yeah. All right. Yeah. Hey, uh, did you know that if you want to get some super spooky uh, fun? time activities in your life and like i don't know travel to la at the end of october the last week these i was about to say three and i mean like you know it could be three i don't know the but but my two lovely co-hosts and i uh and who knows what other special guests i don't even know are we hosting. haven't we have not planned it yet we, we have not zero plans it's really, um, i am i'm just starting thinking about what kind of show we want to put on <laughs> We are doing a live show in L.A. October 26th, uh, just in time for Halloween. So come out and hang out with us. It's going to be crazy. There will be uh, their VIP tickets, I believe, still available and you can get crazy with it and come hang with us and we'll do Q&A stuff. And there's special items that you can get from that. Um, But also there might still be like a few two day tickets. I think we opened up a few left, but they sold out real quick. But also at the same time, it's a two day event with the other weird thing we do which is scary game squad. And so that's the 28th. So it's two days. Come out to LA for like a week. It's just come like hang. Uh, Harry Potter. Turn off the dark. What is that? Called? It is literally <laughs> Harry Potter. Turn off the dark. <laughs> Harry, Potter, Harry Potter story meets Bono and they yeah. go on wild adventures together. It's the exact same thing, except featuring the Fresno Nightcrawlers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, you can get your tickets right now at chiluminatipod.com. Yes. Okay. For now, for that guy in the comments who says the real episode starts here, the real episode starts here at about seven forty-five. So that's where we're <laughs> going to put that in the comments today. I am so excited, you guys. I I don't usually do two episodes in a row. You don't? Uh, yeah. It's a treat. I. I uh, but it has been it has been such a great. I have been reading the weirdest books. And this one, it's like it's spun right out of the other one that we did just a couple weeks ago. I'm just going to start you guys with this little uh, theatrical Wait, piece. Time out. Whoa, 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 whoa. Have we mentioned why we have a guest? 
why we have a guest because yeah. we like Michael and we want him to be here and we love his show and Ray. it's a fun. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, he's, <laughs> just hang, he's hanging with us yeah. for the day, Jesse. Okay, I mean, okay. I just thought there was gonna be like, and then I fought an alien. Or I wish. wouldn't that be sick? I, uh, this story relates to me in a way that, but I realized after we had Crendor on, none of that matters anymore. No, I was going to be like, you remember Crendor? <laughs> yeah, Crendor no, no, you're right. You're totally, you're t- I mean, you're totally right. I just <laughs> assumed, like, I don't know, maybe this is like uh, we're going to talk about gnomes or uh, <laughs> like some type of no, faith this book. Is a, I don't know. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll put it this way: I gave him the choice of which episode he wanted to come on, and one of them was a weird, uh, like sexual Bigfoot episode and the other one and the, uh, and it involves mm. aliens and the other one was this one and I don't blame him to be honest uh, Listen, honestly you <laughs> did more than I did for Crendor I said Crendor just show up and I'll just sexual Bigfoot topic. was my band in high school I kind of feel like that's behind me so. it's just four it's guys that look like us name. I wish you guys could see our zoom call right now it's it's literally like if the Beatles were all just a bunch of podcasts we look the same we're like the same guy four times yeah just, just stereotypical podcaster here stages of podcasters is coming in real strong right now it's like a great Create a character, just like list of guys that got made on uh, the same game engine. <laughs> this really is the four different Caucasian white men that you can choose in any game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ugh, you jump in, you get a little, add a little bounce when you're, when right, you jump right, into you get yourself. a little zoom in, start customizing I don't believe a little it. bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, I, I want to do a little uh, intro, uh, the video that there's like a book and a video. They're all like, this is one of those delicious ones that's like a guy, like, beats the drum of this story that happened to him all the time. And he like still the hustles for it, even though it happened a long time ago. And so I don't know, I, I guess it wasn't COVID because it came out in January, but there was a video and the video started like this. And I just thought it was so great that I'm going to do it too. The story starts with a grim vision of the future. Is this a video or is this someone talking? This is just me interpreting that same idea because i'm a good writer wait right. what wait i'm good i'm so, solid so, what, what's that? so is it the video you're talking about or the scenario just follow me down this little <laughs> path I, i'm trying <laughs> just let me do my little like have you ever seen mystery lodge let me do that for you all right here we go <laughs> the story starts with a grim future the year is 1980 Rough year. The vision involves an old empty house, Victorian and abandoned, with crumbling walls and creaking floors, filled with dust and cracks and creaks and acrid smells. But it wasn't always this way. In fact, this dilapidation wasn't natural at all, and the forces at work diminishing and decaying this house are far worse than time and neglect. These dark forces did the work those would do over years in mere weeks. And this house doesn't stand abandoned by choice. The people who were there were forced out, ran off by forces beyond their understanding from beyond the veil at the intersection of time, mind and space. How dare you? How what dare did you? Think you? <laughs> what did you think of that? Are you guys there? Oof, that was, we're getting, yeah, we're there. Yeah. That was the most nothing ever said in the history of anything. <laughs> <laughs> you were like, and in the darkness, the void stared back and there they were. You didn't see the house? In, 
My scary uh, British house. You should know this by now. I don't visualize anything mentally. So when you really? said it's a scary old you, house, I was like, okay, and? Okay, <laughs> like, I always forget. I always, he says I say that a picture, lot. This is an experiment for all of us. When I say picture an apple in your head, what do you get? We'll start with Jesse. Jesse, can you see anything? Is it just blank? Yeah. All right. So when you say picture an apple in my head, uh-huh. what I see is the light shining in my eyeballs. And then I hear your voice and darkness. I don't pick. And that, was me trying. that was me trying to picture an apple in my head. I can't do what it. Are you Alex. I'm like Pixar in there. I'm doing I'm, I'm me too. Yeah. I can't see do it. like the mist uh, like creeping in from the cabin window while the apple sits on a oaken table with two wooden. Oh, it's it's beautiful. Are, up are there. you an apple guy or a void guy, Michael? I'm an apple guy. I envisioned a perfect Granny Smith apple. And then when you said apple in my head, I imagined it literally inside of my head, <laughs> possibly in front of my face, like that Magritte painting. But uh, yeah, I like that. It's like a surrealist thing. I, exactly. I, I, I cannot Jesse's do that. I have a non-believer. I, I mean, look, if I can't. The problem is, like, I know what an apple looks like. I yeah. know what a table looks like. I don't need to visualize it because I already know what it is. So my mind is categorized and, like, cataloged away. I'm like, I got that. I'm not worried. And I'm Amazing. moving on. I'm moving on to things. Well, take it from me. I know you know what an old, dilapidated Victorian house is. And now just imagine it has secrets. And I think I've done for you okay. the best I can. The house <laughs> has secrets, secrets. the people who live there. Have, you know what? I'm just going to shut everything. up. All right. I'm just going to be quiet. Listen, after I did the two-parter about the guy communicating with the past through his computer. You guys remember that one from a couple weeks ago? Classic. A I, classic. Start, I started to look for other like wild books. Like I said, firsthand. It's like not like the Warrens where it's like clearly like hustlers going down the line. This is like their story. This is their thing that happened to them. This thing was heavily covered by the press. This is like a real thing, like up to a point. Uh, and uh, that's what I love about this. Uh, and so, you know, when you say a real thing up to a point. Like I'm already like, I don't you'll know see what, what I mean. You'll see what I mean. Like at some point you're okay. going to have to like buy into the fact that, you know, bought, like, you know what? I'm bought into your storytelling every, every time. That's yeah. not an issue. I'm <laughs> yeah. just going to sit idly by and wait to poo all of this. All right. So, well, yeah, I understand. I understand. Enjoy. How yes. Yeah. So after I looked, this was the first one that I, that I stumbled on. Cause I liked the title. The last one was called the vertical plane, which I thought was a sick title, even though it didn't really have that much to do with it. But this one, this is everything to do with it. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the story of the green stone. Okay. In the summer of 1979, things were going rather swimmingly down at number 19 Oaks Crescent in Wolverhampton, an old Victorian building, which at the time was the headquarters of a group called Parasearch, which specialized in, and this is going to blow your mind, paranormal research. <gasps> wow yeah uh at the time they were publishing a monthly magazine uh about all that cool stuff uh called strange phenomena and graham phillips the guy who is our guy he wrote the book he made the video he's like still talking about it the video has like 3.5k views on youtube uh he was the editor of strange phenomena that summer uh graham and per- uh graham uh and Parasearch's lead researcher, Andy Collins, were looking into an alleged secret society that dated all the way back to the 1600s, which was called the Rosicrucians. Uh, so here's the deal with this, uh, and follow me here, because this part actually diverges a little bit from the way Phillips presents it in his book, which is like fully truth, uh, because like 
I'm not interested in like just like listening, like entertaining a guy who's saying wrong facts. Uh, so I just want to like make a little distinction first and then I'll get into what happened with Graham. Shout outs to the article Shadow in the Shadows by James Ellis at Newsweek, which is a pretty reputable publication. Uh, so apparently in 1572 and 1604, uh, just, you know, 32 years apart, new objects appeared in space uh, and everybody who saw them thought of them as like new stars, like DLC to like certain constellations. Like there was like the constellation Cygnus, which is the swan and uh, Serpentarius, who's the serpent bearer. And literally these things like showed up as like new stars in those constellations. So people were like, that is insane because they're, they can see it with their actual eyes. And uh, in reality, scientists think it was probably just a couple of fucking supernovas. Uh, But that's like rare enough that I don't think we've seen anything close to that with our eyes since. And the fact that this happened twice in like less than 50 years is really crazy. And literally when they happen for weeks, like outshine everything else in the sky, super bright stars, according to them. And so people looking up and thinking about this is like the most important thing that's happening all over Europe. Uh, And uh, especially people who are like interested in the sciences and like what's up there. And so people like this, they took that as a sign of like the onset of new knowledge, religious tolerance, free thought, enlightenment, all this type of stuff. Kind of like how if you'd imagine like how like mods or hippies or punks kind of just like organically pop up in a culture and then they're just like a thing for a while. Same thing with the Rosicrucians. It was like we saw these stars were like inspired by that. It's kind of cool in a hippie way if you think about it. Um, But they also, in addition to that true stuff that happened, they also have like lore that goes along with it uh, about this German doctor at the turn of the century uh, of the 15th century uh, called Christian Rosenkreuz, who traveled towards Jerusalem and got all this like wisdom and information from all these sages uh, and like luminaries and like wizards or whatever, like just spiritual geniuses and scientists as he travels through the Middle East on his way to Jerusalem. And he gets all this information and he comes back to Germany and he shares it with his like small brotherhood of guys who become the first of these Rosicrucians. Uh, and the idea was that members of this brotherhood and the people that came after them have access to all these like forbidden mystical secrets. And it sparked this new age of geniuses or whatever behind the scenes, yada, yada, yada. But like, as you know, like the, the Middle East is not like an insane mystery to us now. Like there's not like, It's not like Wakanda or something over in the Middle East right now. You know, it's like, you know, we comprehend the secrets of the Middle East now. So that idea is already like kind of weakened by that. Uh, But if you ask like actual historians, you know, other than saying, you know, people were just kind of probably a little racist about the Middle East and just being like, who knows what's in there? You know, like uh, they will tell you that actually this was. Yeah. What's that? Said it's exactly like Indiana Jones movies. <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly. Uh, and uh, they they will tell you. Actually, they'll tell you that it's like a clever story that people used to use to spread the idea. Because you tell the story, and it sort of like makes it into a thing. It like makes it into a meme, kind of, so people can kind of like absorb the whole idea um, to promote like progressive science, spirituality. Because at the time, in the like 16th and 17th century, Europe was getting like 
it was basically like Game of Thrones church going down in Europe at the time. Um, and like the society itself never existed. This German guy probably didn't exist. Uh, and even in the books themselves, there's like parts that are like, like in the manifestos, like the primary source ones, they'll literally just be like, yo, this is a parable. You dumbass don't believe this directly. Like, this is just <laughs> something that we're saying to like, help you understand. Uh, so like, it's probably not a real secret society, even though like all these other secret societies, like the Masons, the Freemasons, like they rolled with this vibe, like super hard. They all talk about like ancient wisdom. There is like a French Rosicrucian secret society that started in like the 1800s. And they're like, this goes back to the teachings of ancient Egypt or some shit. But like, that's like not the same as this. This would happen in the 16th century and the 17th century. So don't worry about it too much. Uh, however, this does not mean that there weren't Rosicrucian like thinkers and people doing Rosicrucian thinking because it was like a cultural movement. And there were a hell of a lot of people like that. Like, for example, Francis Bacon, who's someone that you may have heard of in the future when I do my who the fuck was William Shakespeare episode eventually uh, <laughs> or uh, John D. Uh, who I think we talked about in the Voynich manuscript episode from a while ago. Uh, but like I say, cultural movement, not a secret society, but there were people who were like in the same way that you can be like, I'm a punk dude. You could like, gotcha. you could be a Rosicrucian. Can, like, uh, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, back to Graham and Andy from Parasearch. Uh, it all starts when completely unrelated to anything having to do with the Rosicrucians, Graham agrees to be part of this like weird experiment. Uh, and if you're trying to like imagine what this place is like, you know, the scene in Ghostbusters where uh, Bill Murray's like doing that, like ESP thing. And he's like kind of flirting with the girl that he's testing. Like, yeah, they were doing shit like that all the time. Just like weird, sort of like out of the box, weird off the wall experiments that like, just to see what's up beyond the realms of the unknown or whatever. Right. It's like amateur science with like a little bit of mysticism thrown in. Uh, and so he agrees to be part of this weird like experiment where he lets himself be hypnotized uh, in order to study ESP to see if somehow ESP can be effective uh, when you are induced into hip hypnosis. Uh, and even though it was completely unrelated, like I said, as soon as he's hypnotized, he starts like word vomiting all this like crazy stuff that happened with the, Rosicru the Rosicrucians in the year 1605. He just starts like talking about all this stuff. Um, and even though he doesn't, he's not an expert, he doesn't know anything about this. He just starts like talking all this stuff. Um, <clears throat> and to be clear, that's not actually that bizarre of a thing to happen on its own. Uh, it's like how people criticize uh, the way Scientology regresses people into these like crazy past lives during that weird like auditing stuff that they do mm -hmm. apparently when you're hypnotized just like recounting stream of consciousness fantasy that you think is your memories is like a thing and yeah, we talked a little bit about it in the betty and barney hill uh, duo episode as well like how careful hypnotists have to be because influencing you know uh, your own memories or dreams or whatever when you're under that hypnosis can it would spoil everything because you're just in such a vulnerable, believable state. A lot of things you're told you'll immediately believe are real. Yeah, it's kind of like a scientific thing that sort of explains a lot of this. Like I was in a trance and I just started like saying stuff. 
Yeah. Uh, and uh, it's also apparently, according to Graham, it's also super common to have like zero memory of what you were saying after mm-hmm. you uh, come out of the hypnosis. Uh, and that's exactly what happened with all the Rosicrucian 1605 stuff he said. Um, but basically, he said that there was this sort of like alliance or brotherhood that had formed between certain English, like free thinking Rosicrucians who are one sort of like, you know, anti-establishment group that's like not super loved by the state uh, and their unlikely allies, the oppressed English Catholics, uh, which I'm not going to get into the specifics of why there was a schism in the church exactly. But, you know, there was a lot of different ways of thinking about Christianity in England at the time. And the Catholics were kind of like not the winners. Um, And so they were, according to this like hypnosis vision that was probably, you know, just kind of coming out of the ether. He was saying that they had come together into an actual secret society. Um, And like I say, I'm getting into some deep speculation here. And remember, as far as you know, this is hypnosis. Grain of salt. Good to go. It's a great place for the story to start, though. So I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, he says there's this cross philosophical secret society. It's founded by the occultist and astrologer, John D who I was just talking about a second ago. I think he was in the Voynich manuscript. He's like a Alistair Crowley kind of guy from before Alistair Crowley by a couple hundred years. He's just like this guy who's like, like an edgelord talking about demons and seraphim and hiding shit in poetry and just do like, just doing all kinds of crazy wizard shit. That's like, he's like kind of making up and kind of just like, cribbing from notes right yeah well he's he's depicted a lot as like queen elizabeth's personal sorcerer like that he had some sort of close tie to her yeah exactly he's like a like a dark jedi of the english like, <laughs> like sure <court. laughs> it's crazy uh but the idea was that they were meeting together and they were like it was like almost like a support group but also it was kind of like an intellectual thing where they were like kind of like anti-government again completely Speculation. Uh, and weirdly, but weirdly, in the video uh, that he made about this, Graham also says that just recently at Cannon's Ashby house, a secret room was uncovered where this group actually met. And there's like footage of it, like in the in the uh, video. And I this could like based on that, this is a picture of it. I'm going to drop it into the Twitter DMs right now so you guys can see it. You guys can kind of. Let the people know what it looks like. As usual, if you guys want to bug me on the internet, I will make a Reddit post about it for people who want to see. But this, this is apparently was room? that room. Wow. Newly discovered uh, in a in a in the Canon's Ashby house. Um, and uh, pretty cool. Cool idea that there's like a hidden room in a house. Uh, for, for those that are listening, it just kind of looks like a dining room. Yeah. With shelves that have plates and Imagine stuff. Imagine the least cool secret room you've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, well, it's really cool. It, like, it was room. lit by, you know, the dark by candlelight. You know, it's kind of, it's, it's exactly what you would imagine. It looks right? like a Victorian dining room. Yeah, it's okay, kind of yeah, of arms it all has, over the walls. Exactly, yeah. yeah. It even has the walls with, like, the plates on them, like your grandmother had. It, mm-hmm. Yeah, this is not threatening in any way. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, but... It's a cool idea that they're they're meeting in this like hidden, unrevealed room. Uh, but if you can see in the picture, there's like these like sort of like these grids on the wall of these painted things. And apparently what those are are actually like heraldic crests 
for all the members uh, that met in the room. And according to Phillips, all these kind of notable people, like, for example, Sir Walter Raleigh, uh, another like free thinking statesman type guy who we mentioned on the show before, um, and also Robert Catesby, who is a like notorious political activist for the Catholic Church. One was a Catholic. One was like a more Rosicrucian guy. Both were known to be in this uh, secret society, according to just Graham Phillips. I think probably the brunt of what he was saying they did in this club was just kind of like, like I said, being like a support group for each other, figuring it out, getting doing drugs or whatever they do, kissing each other in the dark or whatever. Sure. Uh, drugs but also key to the story, key to the story. Also, aside from all the normal secret society stuff that they were doing, he also said that a sacred supernatural relic, which was meant to be in their possession. Uh, he said he said they, they have this relic. And that at one point in time, it was owned by Mary, Queen of Scots. Uh, And just in case you don't know who that is uh, out there listening to this, she was a very prominent and heavily like romanticized monarch from the 16th century. She reigned over Scotland until like a couple days after she was born until she was forced to abdicate the throne eventually, like halfway through her life. in the wake of this like crazy affair where she was like with this other guy and her husband was like found in their house dead and the house was burned down, all this stuff. Um, and, but she was Catholic and then she ends up in England and a bunch of the Catholics in England were kind of like behind her as the leader, as the true queen of England, because her cousin was queen Elizabeth the first. And so they were kind of like, you're the real queen and you're the evil queen. Um, and, uh, Eventually, in like 1586, uh, she was um, beheaded because allegedly she plotted to kill Queen Elizabeth and take her place. But who knows? Could just be that she was becoming tiresome. No one knows. I don't know. Actually, if anyone knows, I don't know anything about Mary Queen of Scots. I did a minor amount of research to give you some context for this episode. The the Uh, (laughs) Tudors were big fans of beheading. I'll say that. Yeah. and, And more. Uh, and anyway, 1586 is when she died. But in 1605, a little event comes along that we all probably have heard of at least a little bit called the gunpowder plot in which, uh, and this part is true. A bunch of Catholics planned to assassinate King James the first by blowing up the house of Lords on a very important day. And if you've seen V for Vendetta, you probably remember the little rhyme about the 5th of November, but I think I've forgotten it. Bam, bam, bam. <laughs> I don't know what you're referring to. Me neither. I forgot. Mm. No. Remember, mm. remember. Ver- Verily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Remember, right. remember. It's uh, Hugo Weaving in V for Vendetta. Yeah. Uh, right. And uh, in the end, the way that that gunpowder plot shook out was rather than like literally the House of Lords crumbling, an anonymous letter tipped off the authorities. They found Guy Fox. At the House of Lords with 36 barrels of gunpowder, it would have it would have literally if it if it had blown up, it would have leveled the building. It would have been like, boom, the monarchy is gone. Like it would have been <laughs> crazy. But is rolling these barrels into the basement? Like, yeah, just, yeah, exactly. It Actually, was like a, Frank, get them in the basement, man. One at a time. Let's go. Mm-hmm. We got some exploding to do in five hours. It was a legitimate try by some very influential people right um 
And Guy Fox gets all the zeitgeist love today in the culture because of his mask and all that. Uh, but really, the, re- the ringleader of the whole thing was none other than Robert Catesby, the Catholic activist who, according to Phillips, was in this like rosy Catholic fusion dance secret <laughs> society. Um, and. Graham back to made up town. Graham said that the whole thing was actually not just Catholics, but really more of like a collab. And that one of the main guys that never was implicated, but was like totally in their dirty hands was Sir Walter Raleigh. Um, and obviously as anyone proven to be a part of the plot was sentenced to be hanged, drawn and quartered, which you've probably heard of before. But in case you don't know, literally means they would drag you behind a horse to your hanging, hang you, chop off your penis, slice open your guts, chop your head off and then cut your body into four pieces and hang you up on a wall for people to be like. Yeah, look, look at that loser. He was uh, what a dummy. Yeah. Breaking the wall. Yeah, they usually take each piece to one of the four corners of uh, the empire or whatever. And just be like. Don't mess with us. Yeah, this is Sir Walter Raleigh's dick. Watch yeah. out. Yeah. Uh, you wall. know what? Didn't he had a he had a rough time, that guy. <laughs> uh um yeah, so they were people so at this point, according to this version of the story, obviously people were probably trying to distance themselves from Catesby and Raleigh and John D's club that he was running with them. And just as things were starting to pop off. The secret alliance was over and they just, you know, um, but going back to that hidden item that he was talking about, here's what he said happened. As I mentioned before, Mary, Queen of Scots was beheaded in 1586. Uh, but by 1605, people were really trying to have her like canonized. And they were saying that like some of her items that she had were like mystical relics because she was kind of like this folk hero. So Queen Elizabeth's chief minister, Francis Walsingham, like takes all that shit and like destroys it so that people are like, who's Mary Queen of Scots? We have literally no written record of her anymore. No, it's crazy how in the Middle Ages, like people were just super willing to just burn their own history. Yeah. Lost to time. Just gone like that. And we will never know. Yeah. Nuts. Uh, Yeah, They're gone. Bye. Yeah. And so when that happened, whether he stole it or somehow it was given to him as a gift or something by 1605, apparently this item was in the hands of Robert Catesby. But according to hypnotized Graham, once the gunpowder plot went tits up and everybody was on the run, he took that item, gave it to a woman called Gertrude Winter, Winter, who was married to one of the plotters. She kept it overnight at a place that Graham said was called Huddington Court and then said she passed it on to another Catholic member of the Rosie Catholic Society to a guy that he said was called Humphrey Packington, which sounds like a fake name for sure. Uh, <laughs> who then Humphrey Packington, yeah, who then took that, hid it away in a secret location where apparently for 400 years it has just remained. Uh, Never found. Well, luckily for all of us, and honestly, for anybody who wants to make like a dope British Da Vinci Code knockoff, Packington (laughs) was said to have left a series of clues to the stone's location around a place called Harvington Hall, the old Tudor house where he lived near Kidderminster. Is that a place? 
Sure. It's, it's spelled it's spelled like I'm supposed to pronounce it Kidderminster. Kidderminster. I think it's Kidderminster. I don't know for sure. It is in the Midlands, and that is the best that I can tell you. Someone uh, will let us know. Yeah, I'm sure they will. Uh, but yeah, so he said all that shit, some crazy shit, that there's clues at Harvington Hall. And when he woke up from the trance, he had no memory of Gert- Gertrude Winter or Huddington Court or Humphrey Packington. Uh, but when they went to the library to look that shit up, turns out all those things were real. Real places. Huntington Hall was real. Humphrey Packington is a real guy who really did own Harvington Hall at the time of the gunpowder plot. Uh, everything was there except for the missing Mary Queen of Scots artifact. Right. Um, and now we are back where I started, where these two guys were researching Rosicrucians because this of this crazy hypnosis thing that happened at Paris Search. Uh, and they were well enough convinced by it, but they were kind of like, should we act on this? We don't know. Is there anything here? There's no record of this. Uh, but suddenly things got really strange at Paris Search. Um, and even though they hadn't told anybody what Graham had said under hypnosis yet, other researchers at Parasearch, uh, all the type of people who would certainly be open to any sort of cosmic communication, all began to be uh, have these like weird experiences. So first, here's a quote from 1981 by Terry Shotton, another researcher from Parasearch at the time, about something Phillips describes as psychic impressions. This is a this is one for Mathis to read. Okay. I give it to you. Tweeter or Zoom? Uh, Tweeter. Tweeter. All right. As soon as it... Here it is. During the many years of research, one of the people we'd investigated who had proved to be a very good psychic was a lady by the name of Miss Penny, Miss Penny Blackwell. One even, evening, I got a phone call from Penny asking if I would go down to see her as soon as possible. I got down to Penny's about an hour later and she took out a tape and explained that for the very first time, she decided to tape herself in a trance. She played the tape, and on the tape, she first of all starts to talk in quite a normal voice. But suddenly, her voice changes, and it starts to talk about Parasearch and the people involved with Parasearch in a project we were about to embark on, and that it would uh, have quite major repercussions in the future. This was quite strange to me because I didn't have a clue what she was talking about, It just seemed to be absolutely ridiculous. I gave no more thought to it directly until the following day. I then got a phone call from Alan. Okay. And the Alan that he's talking about is uh, actually Alan Beard, who was another researcher with no knowledge of Graham's alternate history uh, that he was talking about. It was just like another guy at the uh, at the foundation uh, who just out of the blue called. This is for Michael to read. I drop that in the tweeter. Okay. And while I'm speaking to him, is that the right place to start? Correct. Correct. And while I'm speaking to him, quite unexpectedly, I had the impression, a vision, if you like, of a white object floating through space towards me. It kept on coming towards me and shrank in size. This was something strange, because I'd never had something like this happen to me before. Images or impressions. It came totally out of the blue. The final impression I had of it was that it was coming towards me, shrinking in size. The smallest it was, 
was when it stopped in front of me, and it was a size and impression of a green stone mounted on an old silver ring. Yo, he's going to become a green lantern. So his first chick is like, hey, I'm having a vision that something's coming your way that's going to change everyone's life. And your whole pair in your whole pair of research foundation. Look out for it. This other guy's like, there's this green stone. Uh, And now Graham and Andy are like fucking zoned in on this because they're like, is this all? The same object that we're all thinking about. It's the fucking mm-hmm. time stone, dude. Yeah, like maybe the stone is the relic. Uh, and now maybe it's calling to them because it wants to be found. Right. Uh, so suddenly they're on a clue hunt at Harvington Hall, uh, the place where they were uh, t- told to go through this hypnosis alternate history. And they were amazed to discover that in truth, for real, recently a renovation had revealed a hidden mural in one of the upstairs corridors of Harvington Hall from the days of Humphrey Packington and the gunpowder plot. And even more enticing than that, it actually like the people that found it, the like archaeologists or whatever were saying that it purposefully was covered up with wood paneling since the early 1600s. So they go there and out of nowhere, this is a real thing. Uh, this mural that they find is called the nine worthies depicts historic figures from history depicts nine of them. Uh, like I I forget who it is. It's like Alexander the great and shit like that. I can't remember exactly. It's like a bunch of big, huge, uh, like, you know, mythical figures. And in the center, the main image that they're focusing on as they're looking through the clues is this huge image in the center of like, this weirdly young King Arthur. It's like he's he's like really small and he's wielding like a giant Excalibur that's like way too much for his like toddler frame. Um, I, I have an image of it. I'll drop it into the tweeter so you guys can see this mural. There it goes. And yeah, you can see it's kind of like it looks exactly like a mural would look hidden behind wood at a in a in an old house for 400 years. Mm. But yeah, that this is the picture of, of Arthur with Excalibur. Uh, and uh, huh. a group of knights are on a hill behind him. And I think there might be more to the picture than this. Uh, but this is, this is the, it's Arthur in the foreground. He's quite large. The soldiers are a bit farther back in the distance on a hill. Uh, are we sure it's and, not a bunch of soldiers fleeing from a giant baby with a sword? <laughs> That's it, kinda, I'm kind of on my thing here. <laughs> a lot more like that than what I said, for real. The baby, he looks like one of those precious, like, holy babies that you see. That's like kind of like a little man that looks like a baby. But he's like know. a little chubby for some reason. Yeah. 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 He just and looks he like a Dark Souls boss. Locks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dead ass. Um, but yeah, so... They're looking at this thing. There's Arthur. There's these knights on this hill. And they figure out nearby, 25 miles away, according to a quick Apple Maps search, there is a real place called Knights Hill, uh, which is right next to two small lakes separated by a tiny footbridge, which actually was there in the 1600s and was known locally as, wait for it, it was known as Arthur's Bridge. Ooh. <laughs> so we got Arthur's Bridge. We got Knights Hill. It's from the time of the gunpowder plot. Obviously, these dudes are jacked to pounce on that hunch. 
Uh, and it's just around that time that Paris Can Search I ask gets a question. Just like, yeah, sure. Before you continue. Uh, so this was a place known as Arthur's Hill. Like, a yeah, no King Knights Hill is the name of the, of the hill real hill. And then the bridge is Arthur's bridge. Uh, okay. All right. Yeah. I'm just trying to like put together how I'm going to rip this apart. Please yeah. continue. <laughs> so, <laughs> so obviously these dudes are jacked pants on that hunch. It's just around that time. Parasearch gets yet another call this time from another team member, Marion Sunderland, who again has no previous knowledge of what Graham and Andrew were up to. Here's a one for you, Jesse. I'm dropped it in the Twitter. Ooh. Ooh. I had a psychic. Uh, I had a psychic impression myself and I could see water. What appeared to be a very still lake. I saw a large slab of stone resting on the slab of stone was a sword. And with that, I got an intense, overwhelming smell of rotten, decaying vegetation. Very unpleasant. And then uh, Alan Beard called back with some more information. So, Michael, here's another quote from Alan Beard since you're okay. This documentary's voice of Alan. I decided that I would sit down with a pad, a writing pad and a pen in the dining room at home to see if I could get any more impressions of where we might look to find this green stone. No impressions came, but I did hear somebody, a voice perhaps, try to dictate something behind my head. It was as if as sorry, as, it was as if I was listening to snatches of a conversation. The snatches I heard gave reference to a holly bush, but the more important thing was that we weren't looking for a stone. We were looking for a sword that would lead us to the stone. Oh, God, it's Star Wars. you got to <laughs> get the magic dagger to yeah. find the thing you want. But first, you have to do some favors for the old man who needs you to bring in his turnips, and then he'll tell you <laughs> right, where to find right, the stone. Yeah. You are correct. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So this is starting to seem like a thing. So immediately they're like, is this real? Holy fucking shit. They go to Arthur's bridge. Uh, and while it is not next to the bridge right now in 2020, uh, there is a film of the bridge from 1980s, uh, like the 1980 or 1979 when they first went over there right next to the bridge was none other than a giant holly bush, 12 to 15 feet tall. Uh, and for them, it seemed especially uncanny because if you actually look at the image from the nine worthies, this is their own reasoning. I'm not saying I agree with this for sure, but this is what they said. Arthur is looking down and to the left uh, in the image. Uh, and if if you're if you're looking at him as a 3D thing, like on the 2D plane, he's looking to the right of my eyes, but he would be looking to his left uh, if he was which if he was standing on the bridge would be exactly down to where the holly bush was. And the knights behind him were positioned exactly the same. Like if you're looking at it in that way, if he's looking at the holly bush, if that's where he's standing, Knights Hill is like framed behind the bridge, just where the knights on the hill are framed. Uh, so they're like, this has to be the place. The holly bush is here. That's like too crazy. Going off the murals title, which again is the nine worthies. They counted after like trial and error. They decided nine stones in from the side of the bridge uh, and then nine stones down. And amazingly, not only was there a shallow recess down behind the stone among the stinking rotten lake plants, which was from the dream as well, but also their flashlight when they shone down into it seemed to be glinting off something long and silver resting at the bottom on a stone slab 
And it was when they got in there and finally wiggled it out. It was a short sword, long dagger looking bladed weapon, probably ornamental because it had a rounded tip. Uh, And from tip to hilt, it was maybe slightly longer than your forearm, like 20 inches with a two inch cross guard. Um, Pretty nuts. They just found this thing. They took it to the Grosvenor Museum in uh, Chester, where it was studied. And it was discovered to be cast from a single piece of steel. Uh, and it was it was not able to be dated, but it was identified as the same style as a 16th century Scottish dirk uh, that was embossed. One side of it was damaged from like age and time. The side that was like resting against the rock or maybe I don't know which side it was, but one of the sides was like very weathered. And the other side was like an almost clear emblem hand hit the way that it would be made in the 16th century. Uh, the emblem of Mary, Queen of Scots, as well as a mysterious three word inscription on the blade. Maonia for Mary. Maonia for Mary. Uh, that's going to be important later. Um, but yeah, mysterious phrase. Nobody knows what it means. Uh, amazingly, this dagger still totally exists in physical form. Uh You can see the Dirk today at the Tudor House Museum in Upton upon Severn, uh, which coincidentally happens to be currently located in the historical home of John D, who Hmm. supposedly founded this whole thing in the first place. I think that's more of a coincidence. I do have a picture of this thing. Here is Graham holding the dagger. I'm going to drop that into the tweeter. Yeah. So it's like a giant letter opener. Uh, Yeah. It's like, you know, it's not. A weapon, I wouldn't say, like, that you should feel dangerous, like, around. But it is a tiny little dagger sword thingy. And so that's what they literally found. Um, And uh, anyway, shortly after this, uh, Alan Beard and Terry Shotton both had separate dreams of the stone uh, where they said it was being hidden in a brass casket. And... Separately from each other, they when they had the when they had the dream, they woke up and drew it and they brought it in the next day and they both had the same almost the same drawing, you know, Uh, and according to Phillips, two other people and this is going to be a quote until I say end quote two other people, quote, known to the team had similar dreams. One dreamt of a swan and another of an avenue of trees beside a river at the end of which was a mound where she believed the stone was buried, end quote. Uh, so think about that. This reminded them of another, the, another new star in the Cygnus Swan constellation, which was first recorded in the year 1600 by Johannes Kepler. Uh, and in actuality, again, probably just another like big, bright celestial event that was rare. But it was the first time anyone could see it with their naked eye. And on the body of the swan, that star was located right on the base of its neck. Uh, Naturally, after thinking about a swan's neck, this got everyone thinking of a meander in the River Avon, which was only seven miles away. It's a meander. It's like a kink in the river that's literally called Swan's Neck. And when Hmm. they got there, just as they expected, in a grassy mound by the water, They found a little brass box. I'll send a picture of it to you now. 
This brought this box was actually dated to be from the 16th century, according to the video. Uh, and inside of the box, when they opened it, was nothing but a simple round jade stone. A time stone. Yeah. yeah. And uh, here's one more quote from Alan Beard. So, Michael, take us away. The first time I saw the green stone was on the evening it was found. I couldn't believe it, that there it was, the same small green stone that I had seen in a psychic vision weeks before. So that's him confirming that it's the same stone that he saw in his vision. Um, and immediately after the stone was found, it was taken to the parasearch office. But that was just the beginning of the weirdness surrounding these events. And we'll find out more in the green stone. Week two. Ooh. Coming next week. Whoa, Did you invite someone on <laughs> only to do a cliffhanger? I have to do a cliffhanger. It's too long. Are you there's so much more to this? There's there's an entire Da Vinci code story, and then there's like an entire like ghost is story. Coming back? Are we what is happening right now? He can. All right, sure. Yeah, you're Why would you do this? What a rude invitation. <laughs> <laughs> You want to come back next week? Sure. I'm, I'm, I'm interested right. now. You, you got to see what you got to see. Rude the end of this. as hell, man. Rude <laughs> as hell. <laughs> Unreal. Imagine if he never got the taste of the end. He'd never have the huh? end. I'm sure I'd listen so, to it eventually. I just want to so. add two things. Uh, I can't poo poo anything yet. Besides the fact that, you know, there was a lot that was like long ago, some stuff probably mm-hmm. happened. But besides that, uh, two things. One, all the stuff he mentioned at the end that Alex was talking about, you can literally go visit and see. So like that daggery thing, yep. it exists. It's in a museum. I looked it up like you can go look at it right now. Um, and then the other thing that I think is of, of note for anyone in the L.A. area, let's say in October. Did you know that in Oceanside, California, there is a giant Rosicrucian Fellowship Temple? And it's on top of a mountain and they let you walk the grounds. And uh, let me just say the reviews of the place are crazy. One is like, it's lovely, beautiful place to visit. Uh, one is like, I am there every weekend and we <laughs> see the true power. Uh, and like, and then there's the other ones is like, these are the devil people. They are pure evil. So um, I will say one of the reviews I found helpful, which it's pretty lengthy, but it said something along the lines of, this is not the original Rosicrucians. This is like a a heavy Christianity version. Mm. And they're like the original ones had to do with a lot of other mysticism. And it was more worldly view than just very sort of uh, European uh, Christianity centric focus. And I was like, oh, good to know. But there's straight up a temple. Uh, it looks kind of abandoned. But at the same time, people are there. Like the lettering <laughs> is stuff has fallen off. It is a little oh creepy, but also like kind of interesting. So if I've you are by um, this place, but I've never actually been there. Yeah, apparently it is. It looks the crazy thing is, is one photo. It looks like this beautiful, giant domed building. And then as you pan out, you're like, that's actually very small and kind of creepy and up in like the hills. It's interesting. I have no idea, but uh, maybe we should go see it in October. I mean, yeah, yeah. It, you, they say you can walk the ground. You have to be out by five. But before, Which also we, before we wrap this up, there are a couple things I want to like 
point out about this story so far that I've been having trouble with as I've been reading this story. Uh, just because just out of the in, just out of interest of like this kind of way I cut it into two parts is because there's this like treasure hunt part and then there's mm. this like other part and this treasure hunt part. I want to be clear. There's a video from two, 2020 that came out. There's this book, The Green Stone, which is free on Amazon, by the way, uh, if you want to read it on your Kindle, if you have Kindle Unlimited. Uh, and it's from 1982, the book. And then there's a preface to the book, which like also outlines the sequence of events. So all three of these things, the, the 2019 preface, because I guess apparently what happened was the book is like something that went on sale for like one print run in the eighties. And because the, it's such a popular story amongst people who are into this type of shit, editions of the book were going for like hundreds of dollars or whatever. Yeah. So they released yeah. another version in 2019 with a new forward. The forward outlines another version of events. That's like very different from what is in the video. And I would, I will tell you, you don't want to watch this video if you're trying to follow along with my story of what happened. If you can't separate the two and you're only interested in this from the point of view of like what's going to happen, I would say don't look it up. But if you're in the mindset where you can like hear different versions of the story and understand that I'm putting together my version of what I think the story is and that there's other versions of it, I encourage you to go watch the video because they have a, that video has a, a totally different description of the secret society and what's going on. Doesn't mention the fact that he was under hypnosis at all and mm. has like a whole other conclusion about how that goes. The book has two versions and I sort of like brought those all, all three of the versions together in the most sensical way that I could. Um, but a couple things that are a kind of a problem with this, of course, uh, also, also the book is written like a story, which is really weird uh, too. It's like written like in the third person, which is like, yeah, really do you think, character. I mean, one of the big takeaways I was thinking the entire time is like, this seems like a really creative way to sell an idea to people. Yeah. Right. Like to sell, come visit our, our dagger or to like, there's, there's a lot here that I don't know. It's, you know, yeah, I can't wait to see what happens where this is going. I don't have all the information clearly, but like, I'm waiting for like, all right, all right. What is happening right now? Yeah. Cause it it is fascinating. If you take it on, especially just like on surface level, like it's like, you've got the, you've got the actual pictures, like they're actually real. There's enough there that anybody who didn't want to think too hard about it could just be like, I believe Mm -hmm. like, but I'm curious what, like, like for Jesse, where the turning point is in the story. I mean, I guess, so let me get this straight, Alex, just to like summarize very quickly because of hypnosis, these people discovered ancient relics that are real and on display. And that's like, that's it so far in the story. Yeah, basically. And nobody's really like, and there's no like money element. Like nobody ends up like rich by the end of this. You know what I mean? Like, there's sure, no, I mean, like yeah, there's no like, like this video has 3.5 K views. It's like doing sure. worse than like any video that you could ever call a success on YouTube. There's like just a logical leap. That's crazy to me where it's like we found a da- Like if we just look at it. We found a dagger and we found a box with a gem inside. And yeah. everything else is just yeah. background story made up to sell the idea that it's cool, but we don't know anything about it other than like it's old and the legend is this. Yeah. But like we, we had you dreams. Said they couldn't even identify it. 
We had yeah, dreams. We we said things under hypnosis. Like the fact, like you said earlier, Jesse, the fact that these things are in a museum is like that means to me that that suggests that they were appraised by experts, that there are people who stake their reputations on like, yes, these are legitimate artifacts of Mary, Queen of Scots and not an antique that was bought in a market and a flea market in like 1980. <laughs> so, right. But but yeah, I mean, I haven't heard anything to suggest that like this couldn't have been an elaborate hoax. Right. right. Like there's, 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 we're at a weird place where it clearly is something old, but we've talked about old things on this show before that then it was just like, and they kind of made it up a little bit because it seemed cooler than what yeah. it actually was. And let's be real. People do that. People will be like, it's not as cool as we thought it would be. So like, you know, you can find a dagger and then be like, Twasn't ain't twas held by Arthur, baby Arthur himself. Twas baby Arthur yeah. and his his miniature knight. And it it yeah. sort yeah. of has that nationalistic uh, angle to it that yes, is very yes. appealing to the English public. Yeah, it, I mean, okay, like for example, it like it's really weird that they spend so much time talking about how none nobody who ever had a psychic vision ever knew what anybody else was talking about. For them to say that over and over again, mm -hmm. I feel like that's kind of like one of the bigger things that you need to swallow in the story is just that like they were doing this crazy thing that was happening and they were like at this society that writes a magazine about paranormal research, there's hypnosis and this dude is like saying things about history that he doesn't know about that then turn out to be true. And for some reason, no one at the society sharing that information with each other mm -hmm. and then right. all these other people are like having these insane visions about like stones and rocks and shit and they're not sharing them with each other and then yeah they'll keep it a very private <laughs> yeah and then also it's like the st the sword is going to lead to the stone but it didn't really lead to the stone they just sort of like had this amazing thing happen with this mural and they find this sword and that, yeah, that's true. This, the, the vision about the sword leading the stone never came to fruition. Right. Yes. Yeah. They do connect in a way that I have not revealed. And I, I'll, I'll reveal it right now, actually, because it's, it's so weird because it also ties into what I was saying earlier about there being different versions of the story. In the version of the story that's in the video, the dude refers to the secret rosy Catholic unity thing. Doesn't mention anything about that element of it. The, the Catholic, uh, like plot to, the, the Catholic Rosicrucian plot to blow up the House of Lords. He just mentions it as a place where people from those two different ideologically opposite backgrounds are meeting and exchanging ideas. And he calls it the Order of Maoria. He gives it a name, which he did not give in this other intro. And he says that Maoria is like the name of some like deity or something that has to like some sort of like holy thing that has to do with this that john d made up that also just shows up on the the blade he's saying that the reason it's on the blade in the video he's saying the reason it's on the blade is because it's the name of the order that is like keeping this thing for mary queen of scots because it's maoria for mary and mary is spelled marie but in you know middle english that's mary so that's how they got mary queen of scots maoria for M Mary or Mayonia Mayonia what did it what is it Mayonia was uh, it was the part like that, that was like missing like love Maori hmm. yeah, for no, it's, Mary it's Mayonia <laughs> it's Mayonia for Mary I don't want to say the wrong thing Mayonia for Mary 
is what it says. And it's called the Order Manaya, according to the video. But in the in the book, it's like that's not what it is. And the psychic vision part isn't even there. And then we're going to get into some other weird psychic stuff later, like this voice that talks to uh, Phillips, Graham Phillips, who he says is like Joanna. And he's like, I'm talking to Joanna, who is a girl who I went to school with. And they like contacted her and they were like, I don't know. I'm not like talking to him. I barely met him at school. And he was like, yeah, that's true. I, I never really talked to her either. Uh, but like, for some reason, my psychic voice is like, that's who's telling me all this shit. What? So there's so there's all these weird wait, little wait, 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 wait. <laughs> that is the bit that is like my favorite scam in the history of scams. It's like, yeah, so um you know, this girl Stephanie, she's been talking to me in my brain, telling me all these cool stuff. And then you guys are like, "Okay, let's go talk to Stephanie." And Stephanie's like, "I don't even know that dude." And I'm like, "Well, yeah, I mean, I don't know her. She's just chosen to talk to me." Hmm. That's that's <laughs> Cuckoo bananas crazy. <laughs> yeah. So that's why I'm saying there's different elements of this story. There's different versions, but frustratingly, like what the fuck is this? What is how, what, how did they, what is this like 16th century shit that they found? Like there was right. a mural on a wall in a secret <laughs> panel room or whatever that like led them to this item. Like, how did that happen? I, I need, I need to ask you. Because I know this is this what you're doing right now is very Mathis story. <laughs> I'm waiting for the Alex story twist in the next episode is one of the things going to happen. <clears throat> one, either aliens, ghosts, possession, <laughs> uh, hauntings, or let's say something like some crazy like the Beatles show up. One of those things happens in the next episode. Correct or not correct. Let me let me put let me put it this way. The abandoned house that I was talking about at the beginning of the story that you just can't visualize. The one, no that, yeah, what. the one that we still didn't ever talk about. Yes. That is the headquarters of Parasearch. Right. Are you telling me that this stone <laughs> destroys a house? Alex, Zach Baggins wishes he Alex, had that. Alex, Zach Baggins wishes. Fossiani, are you telling me just teasing you it. long con me and the, the thing that's destroying the house is a stone? I'm just teasing oh it. Oh my God. I'm just, I'm just teasing it. It is the time stone, dude. It's fast forwarding time. I'm so ready for this. How dare you? There is a lot more. Jesse always gets mad when I do a two part. <laughs> <laughs> actually turned out to be the egg of a termite queen that then started breeding <laughs> like crazy <laughs> those fools <laughs> an ancient forgotten termite yeah. breed brought back listen we just brought back a 43,000 year old multicellular organism it's not impossible yeah it's true uh but that is that is the green stone. That is the green stone part one. Now we have the green stone. We have found it. There was I told you it was British Da Vinci Code, and I feel like I delivered on that bit of it, but with psychics. I, it's a surprise two part because yeah. I was in my mind. I'm like, all right, I'm ready to go next week. Cult the cult episodes ready to go. Ooh, he I get always another does week this. Off. He never just like says, "Oh, I have a two parter." He's like, "And we'll continue." That's because it I never do time. have a two parter. Every time it happens, <laughs> is I sit down to do this for like two fucking days, and then. It just the story becomes too much. Like I didn't I didn't have to go in and tell you the history of the Rosicrucians or all that other shit that I did. But then I started reading this and I'm like, wait a minute. This guy's like 
telling three different stories about this. Like I have to be like, look, <laughs> the Rosicrucians aren't a real secret society. It's like a parable, but like he's using it as it's real. But I don't know if that's like something new that like from since the eighties that's been rediscovered or what. And then he's like, they, the, the room where they met was discovered and he gives them a name in the video and there's a picture of it. Like, I don't know what to take. I don't know what to take away from that. Um, a lot. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll finish it next week. I'm excited to see where this yeah. goes, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I want to know what this this infinity stone is going to do. I keep looking at this stone and it looks like, I don't know, you know, like if you have some sort of like a Mentos or a candy of some sort and you suck on it for a while and like the candy layer is gone. It's just like the <laughs> crap in the middle. It's like that. It doesn't even look like a stone. It just it, it looks jade. like glass. It's pure jade. Is it? It does. It uh, it does look a little like sea glass. Yeah, I feel like I'm getting a joke from the second Blackadder series. Now I don't know if you guys have ever seen that, which was set in the 1600s around the time of Queen Elizabeth the first. And uh, yeah, his one of his friends is trying to solve his uh, money problems through alchemy, and he comes up with a lump of purest green. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, perfect. I mean, dude, Maybe that's where it came mm-hmm. from. Look at it. It's I mean, I don't know. They got a really good hand model for it. I got to say, yeah, I, I, will, I will throw these. I will throw these screen caps on Reddit if you guys want, if you guys bug me. But there is a video on YouTube called The Green Stone by Graham Phillips. You can go find it. It tells you all of one version of this information. Uh, and yeah, Michael, thank you so much for coming down. Oh, thank you uh, for inviding me. This is a lot of fun. Yeah, sorry to sorry to tease we'll you with the cliffhanger, but it got, <laughs> a, it got away from me. Uh, but I will mention that in a couple days, I will then make the trek if you like the alex and michael show i will make the trek across the portal yes. of the internet to the video game apocalypse yes where i will be on that show and is this a crossover event it is a summer yeah, crossover event strikes. and alex is going to come yeah. on for our episode where we talk about our five favorite games of 2021 so far since we're at the end of june so it's like oh we've got six months of games to talk about let's uh, let's rank some of them I can't even think of five games that have come out this year. I don't even like, good luck, y'all. The thing, the trick is when any. you realize how long it's been this year. That's yeah. when it's, that's yeah. when it really fucks you up. Yeah, when you realize we're already in basically in I July. I keep thinking it's like March. More than halfway through. Yeah, exactly. It feels like March. Yeah. It's felt like March of last year for about a year. Like, no, uh, it's, it's still 2020, really basically, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. more or less. Exactly. Well... <laughs> Yeah, thanks again, Michael, yeah, so much. Uh, we'll see you next week. We're off to go with Michael to go do a chill mini for uh, all our Ooh. Patreon supporters. I uh, I don't know what everybody has, but I am going to rant about the UAP report for a little bit. So that's, that's <laughs> what my... What I tell you, you fool? Yeah. No, oh. no, listen. It's not... <laughs> don't, we'll don't, talk tease about it. It. don't tease it too much. Don't give yeah, it too well, much. Michael, do you have any, any place these fine people can find you on the internet? Yes. Uh, once again, either lasertimepodcast.com or videogameapocalypse.com is where you can find the shows that I am on. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at Wikiparas. That's W-I-K-I-P-A-R-A-Z. Great. Uh, thank you. And please, guys, go to patreon.com slash pod, the greatest website in the universe. I love you guys. Peace out. Goodbye. Bye. Thank you. Anyway, me and my wife were sitting outside indulging on our porch one night, enjoying ourselves. I needed to go to the bathroom, so I stepped back inside, and after a few moments, I hear my wife go, Holy shit, get out of here! So I quickly dash back outside, and she's looking up at the sky in awe. I look up too, and there's a perfect line of dozen lights traveling across the sky.